You can't control the external things that affect your growth and your business growth, but you have a hundred percent control over your own actions. And way too many business owners try to change the external things and they fail and they think like, oh, if only this was different or if only that was different. You can't change how many hours there are in a day. You can't influence whether the Instagram algorithm shows your content to people, but you can change how you work within these constraints. Welcome to Imperfect Action. I'm Steph Taylor. For years, I read all the books, downloaded all the freebies and did all the courses. But it wasn't until I started taking Imperfect Action that my business had its first million dollar year. Imperfect Action is about doing things before you're ready, prioritizing consistent action over perfect action and moving forward, even when you're not sure you're doing it right. On this show, you can expect mindset advice, actionable marketing tips, and strategies to build a business that brings you more profit, more freedom, and even more joy. Are you on the list to get my daily biz boosters? Every day, I'll send you a bite-sized prompt designed to help you grow your business in a more intentional way. Sign up at stephtaylor.co forward slash DBB or at the link in the show notes. Hey, welcome back to Imperfect Action. This is episode 615. Today, I want to share a bunch of little random lessons and things that I wish I had known before I started my business because hindsight is such a beautiful thing. And these lessons might feel and seem really obvious to me now, but a couple of years ago, they weren't. And even though I might have heard these lessons from people I followed online or podcasts I was listening to or books that I was reading. I think we often don't learn the lesson until we actually go through it ourselves. We hear it from someone else, but we have to go through it and it has to hurt for us to learn. You know, it's like the child where you're like, don't put your hand on the hot stove and the child doesn't listen. And then they only learn that lesson when they put their hand on the stove and it hurts. So I know that some of these lessons, you will listen to them and you'll be like, yeah, of course, like that's so obvious. But until you actually implement that lesson, it's going to keep showing up until you figure it out yourself, right? Uh, So some of these you might think on the surface, they seem really obvious. But if you dig a little bit deeper, you might not actually be in accordance with these lessons just yet. Okay. So I'm going to jump into the lesson. Number one, you can be the best expert, have the best offers, deliver the best results, but until you get good at selling, you're going to struggle to make sales. I learned this one the hard way. I used to hate selling. I felt like whenever I was telling anybody about how they could work with me, whenever I got to the end of a webinar and I was pitching my course or my program, like all of these things, I would sort of rush over my offer. Oh, like, by the way, this is how you can work with me. Rather than making it the main event, right? I would just rush through the sales pitch part. And then I would wonder why people weren't buying. And here's the thing that I think has really flipped my mindset around selling is my offers are incredibly good. They get my students and my clients incredibly good results. And they are the solution that somebody is looking for to solve their problem or to achieve a particular outcome. And they can't 
buy that solution, they can't achieve that outcome unless they know what I am selling. So by me getting better at selling, I get better at also serving my audience. Okay, the second thing that I learned is cash flow and profit aren't the same thing and you need cash flow to survive in business. This is kind of, oh oh my goodness, like I have an accounting background. I worked in accounting for four years. I have an accounting degree. Like I've worked, I also even worked in insolvency with businesses that literally ran out of cash flow. And I still had to learn this in my own business for me to understand just how important the difference between cash flow and profit and also the difference between cash flow, profit and sales, how important these differences are, right? You can have a super profitable business and no cash flow. You can make a lot of sales and not have any cash flow and not have any profit. So I really can't emphasize how important it is to be on top of your cash flow, to be tracking what's coming in, what's coming out and having a budget for it so that when that unexpected tax bill arrives, it's not so unexpected. You know, the tax bill is pretty expected every single year, like it's going to arise. And if you've made a lot more sales one year, you're going to have a bigger tax bill. So making sure that we've always got that cash flow and you know what's going in and out. Number three, Unless you do the things that feel scary, you and your business won't grow. The scary things are good, but I think a lot of the time we take it as a sign that we shouldn't do something. Oh, creating a course feels scary because somebody might not buy, so I'm not going to do it. Like That's a sign that I shouldn't do it. No, fear isn't necessarily your gut telling you that it's not a good idea. I actually think it's the opposite. I think fear shows you what matters to you. You are afraid of this thing because the outcome is important to you. You're not afraid of it because it's a bad idea. Okay. There's a difference between feeling afraid of something because it's outside of your comfort zone versus your gut being like, Oh, this doesn't feel aligned with my vision or it doesn't feel aligned with me for whatever other reason. It doesn't feel in integrity with me or it's not aligned with my values versus this thing's scary because I might invest time into it and it might fail. Big difference. Number four. Failure and rejection are a good thing because you can learn from it, okay? This segues beautifully because a lot of the time when we're afraid of something, it's we're really afraid that we're going to fail at whatever we try or we're going to go for something. We're going to, you know, pitch a collaboration or we're going to, you know, pitch a potential client and they're going to reject us. We're afraid of failure and we're afraid of rejection, but these things are good because there's always a lesson in it. When we launch something and the launch doesn't quite meet our expectations, there's a lot we can learn from that launch. And it's actually been the launches where I've failed that I've learned the most from than the ones that have been so good where I'm like, oh, cool, this one worked. I don't need to go back and dive deep into the lessons because it obviously worked. Same with rejection. If a client didn't want to work with us, if they rejected our pitch, we can find out why. What was it that made you decide not to work with me? Okay, great. I'm going to take that on board and potentially tweak my process or tweak my messaging or tweak something. And that way I've learned from it. I'm not just collapsing into a heap and crying about it and having a little pity party for myself. I'm taking something constructive from that experience. Number five, the stuff that really, truly matters in growing your business can feel really boring. 
<laughs> like I, my, my ADHD brain loves sparkly squirrels. It loves novelty. It loves all the new things. But I've realized that it's not about doing all of the shiny, fun things. And it's actually more about structure, systems, consistency, things that do not come naturally to me, but that I realize I have to prioritize getting comfortable with, getting good at if I want my business to grow. You know, it's always going to be so much more fun to create a pretty Instagram graphic or write a caption or chase some shiny idea than it is going to be to sit down and do your cash flow budget for the week. But only one of these is going to ensure you have enough cash in your bank account to pay the bills. Number six, your self-worth has nothing to do with your business success. Okay. And vice versa, your business success it should not um, determine your self-worth, okay? If you feel good about yourself, then yes, that's going to make it easier for your business to succeed. But if your business isn't succeeding or you're having a bad month or a bad year, this shouldn't define how you feel about yourself. And I know this can be really hard when you've put so much time and effort and so much of yourself into your business. But your business is not an extension of yourself. And because your business is having a bad year doesn't make you any less of an epic human than if you were having a good year. Number seven, it is okay to say no. Say no to that client, that collaboration, that opportunity. You only have a certain amount of time each day. And every time you say yes, that takes time away from something else you can be doing. And whenever you decide to do something, you are also saying no to something else. So it's always a good idea to think about what else, by saying yes to this thing, what else might I be saying no to? I remember a couple of years ago reading Tim Ferriss's book, Tribe of Mentors, where he interviews a whole bunch of high-performing people in a whole bunch of different industries and fields. And I can't remember who said it, but somebody gave the little quote that was, when I'm thinking about whether to say yes or no to something, I ask myself, would I say yes to this if it was tomorrow morning? That is always a little fun one to play around with because we'd like to think we're going to be less busy in the future. We're going to have so much time in the future and we have not that much time right now. So if it was tomorrow morning, would you say yes to this thing? Number eight, measure your success in the context of your vision, not someone else's success. Okay, so when we go on social media and we see somebody else celebrating a million dollar year and we're like, oh, why is my business only at $100,000? Oh my goodness. That doesn't feel great. And we don't see all of the other bits that went into that person's success. We don't see the hard work. We don't see the struggle. We don't see the tears. We don't know if that million dollar year actually translated into profit. Maybe they spent $999,000 on Facebook ads to have that million dollar year. Okay. So we don't know the full story and it's so easy to look at somebody else and be like, oh, they've just got it so perfect. Their life looks so good. Their business looks so smooth and mine's just feels like a mess. Okay. It's so easy to feel that way. And I think by Measuring your own success against your vision and against your goals that are moving you closer to that vision, that gives you a better picture of where you are and how you're going. You know, you might, it might not be in your vision to build the kind of business like that person you are comparing yourself to has. 
And that's fine because that's not your vision. Like I, I've been speaking about this a lot lately. The fastest way to create a business you hate is to follow somebody else's vision. All right. Number nine, you can be grateful for where you are and still have big dreams you are working towards. You can enjoy the moment right now. You can reflect on how incredible it is that you quit your job or that you started this business or that you got that first client or that 10th client or had a $50,000 month or a $100,000 year or whatever it is. You can be so grateful for that and celebrate that without accepting that, you know, without it being like an acceptance of this is all I'm, this is where I'm going to be. Like it's not settling to be happy for where you are. Okay. You can still have those big dreams, those big visions and celebrate where you are right now. Otherwise you're going to get to those big dreams and those big visions and you're going to have missed that entire journey along the way. And you're going to get there and you're going to look around and be like, okay, cool. What's next? And you're going to keep working towards that next thing. So enjoy the journey. It is such a journey. Number 10, the strategy behind what you sell is more important than how you promote it. You can have the best marketing in the world, the best followers, the best podcast, and still struggle to make consistent sales if you don't have any kind of strategy behind your offer suite, right? Offer Less, Sell More was born out of this struggle that I've seen way too many business owners in where they think the solution is to get more clients through the door and they put all their time and energy towards growing their audience when they don't even have the right things to sell their audience yet. And even once they do have some of the right things, they don't have anything else to sell them next. So then they have to get new clients in for the same offers rather than thinking, how can I keep helping these same people over and over again? And that's why I created Offer Less, Sell More. It's a three-hour self-paced course to design and refine your offer suite so that you make consistent sales without constantly having to try and grow your audience and get new people through the door. You can find that at stephtaylor.co slash OLSM. We'll put the link in the show notes as well. It's self-paced. You sign up, you get instant access. So you could literally have redesigned your offer suite entirely by the end of today. Number 11, you can't control the external things that affect your growth and your business growth, but you have 100% control over your own actions. And way too many business owners try to change the external things and they fail. And they think like, oh, if only this was different or if only that was different. You can't change how many hours there are in a day. You can't influence whether the Instagram algorithm shows your content to people. But you can change how you work within these constraints. The only thing that is blocking what you want to achieve is your actions, your habits, your thoughts. If you change these things, everything else changes too. And it's a much more empowered way to approach it. Like how can, okay, great. This is my constraint. What can I do within this constraint rather than being like, oh, like I can't help it. It's, I can't change. Like if only I could change this. If only I could change that versus, okay, I can't change this. What else can I do? Number 12, you don't always have to launch new things. I thought I always had to keep launching new courses. I thought I had to build this entire library of things and each time I had to have one launch and then that would go and live in my library and it would continue to generate sales. But it wasn't until I doubled down and I launched and I launched and I launched the same product, the podcast launch plan, over and over and over again that I started to see measurable growth and from 
tracking those numbers of those launches so well, I could start to put fuel on the fire. And by that, I mean, I started running paid ads because I knew this was generating a good return. And then from that, I could scale it up because it was profitable. So doubling down on one product and launching it over and over again, that allows you to grow your impact and your income a lot faster than if you're constantly creating these new things to launch. And this is the whole basis of the Launch Magic Framework. It's a system for a launch where you can repeat it over and over again, each time learning, taking intel, applying that, tweaking it, and scaling it up. It doesn't teach you how to create a course or how to build a membership or how to run a group program, but it does teach you how to create your own launch strategy, your own launch strategy, not a copy and paste one, not a Trello board with a strategy on how to launch, because that's not a strategy, that's a plan. Uh, so you create that strategy that you can repeat over and over again so that your course or your membership or your program becomes an income generating asset over time. And it's not just once. That'll be opening up again mid to late March. You can get on the wait list for launch magic at stephtaylor.co slash magic. All right. Number 13. There are no shortcuts, hacks, magic pills, nothing like that, right? If it was quick and easy, if there were shortcuts, everybody would be doing them and they wouldn't work anymore. The people who succeed in the long term are the ones who put in the reps. You know, if you've read the book Atomic Habits, you'll know his analogy about putting in the reps. You go to the gym every day, you put the reps in, and that's how you get fit. You build muscle, you reach your goals. So you've got to keep showing up day in, day out doing the work, even when you are not seeing those instant results and keeping your eye on that long-term goal. A lot of the time, the things that give us short-term wins are not the things that are going to give us long-term success. They feel, the short-term wins feel like we're getting somewhere, but a lot of the time, the things that don't feel good in the moment are what gives us that long-term success. You know, you might be so tempted to skip the gym because it feels better to flop on the couch after a long day of work in the moment. But over the long term, if you keep skipping the gym, you're not going to see the results. And unfortunately, business is kind of the same. Number 14, you are the most important resource in your business, not money, not your software, you. And unfortunately, many business owners put themselves last. They live in this constant state of stress. They prioritize work over healthy eating and exercise. They prioritize everybody else around them over themselves. I see this especially with women. They burn out after all of this. And you are most valuable to your business when you have energy. You can't show up well for your clients or for your team or for anybody else if you are burnt out, you can't have incredible ideas for offers, for content, for ways to better serve your clients if you don't have the mental white space to allow these ideas to pop up. So prioritizing that self-care is so, so, so important. And I know it sounds so fluffy, like, yeah, self-care, but you really need to, and you need to find what works for you. For me, one of the things I always prioritize in my budget is travel because I know I feel my best and I have my best ideas when I'm in a new environment, when I'm on a plane or when I'm sitting in a cafe in Rome or I'm walking down the street uh, in Mexico. Like That's when I have my best ideas. They pop up 
when I'm not thinking about work, when I'm not at my desk frantically typing away. That's when I have my best ideas. And from having that travel, I also feel best. And that means I can show up better for my team, for my students, for my clients. All right. Number 15, you can't think or plan your way to success. No matter how scary it feels, you're never going to the, the only way to overcome those fears and those doubts is to take action. You're never going to plan your way through those fears and those doubts. And unfortunately, we can think, well, I'm not confident. I'm going to wait until I feel more confident. I'm not ready. I don't know enough yet. So I'm going to wait until I know enough yet. And a lot of the time, the only way to feel confident, the only way to learn enough is to do the things before you feel ready. Like I, a lot of people are like, oh, Steph, I wish I could be confident like you. I am the first person to say, like, I am not a super confident person. I am very comfortable talking into a podcast microphone because I've been doing it for five years. I am very comfortable now teaching a workshop in person or speaking on stage or doing a virtual class for my Freedom Fast Track students, for example. Like, I'm so comfortable doing these things because I've been doing them a lot. But the first podcast episode I recorded, like you can go back and listen to that. It was terrible. The first time I taught a live lesson on Zoom, the first time I stood on stage, all of these things felt so uncomfortable. But I would never have built the confidence to do them had I not done them. Like there is, I, I'm not extroverted. I'm not a super confident person at all. Like put me in a room at an event or in any kind of networking and I will probably, you'll probably find me at the food table or at the alcohol table. <laughs> like to be completely honest, because I don't feel that confident around people I don't know. But for me, like this microphone, I could now riff into a microphone because this is something I've become comfortable doing. So you build that confidence by doing it. When you do it, you get this little feedback loop where it's like, huh, I didn't die. This wasn't so bad. Maybe I can do it again. And then you do it again. And then you get a little bit of feedback that's like, oh, this wasn't so bad. I didn't die. Do it again. And then maybe somebody's like, oh, you're really like, I learned something from you. And you get another bit of feedback that's like, huh, okay, this is making a difference to people. So you do it again. And that's how you build that confidence. You don't sit there waiting to feel more confident or absorbing tips on how to feel confident and saving all of the mindset quotes and all of that. Like you just have to take action. And that's why the name of this podcast is Imperfect Action. <laughs> all right. That is it for today's episode. This actually went for a little bit longer than I thought it would, but I have a lot to say about these things and I could probably do a part two and a part three of all the things I wish I had known. Hopefully, even if you only take one of the lessons out of this episode, Hopefully you can apply them to your business and save yourself from making the mistakes that I made. If you have any friends who you think would benefit from listening to this episode and applying some of these lessons to their business, hit the share button, share it with them. It's how I get to help more people. And if you haven't taken the time to leave a review yet, please, I do read every single one of them. It takes you like 30 seconds and it means a lot to me because I do spend a lot of my time talking into this microphone and it's always nice to know that somebody's listening and it's making a difference. Thank you so much for listening. Catch you next time.